you start doing these things and start to realize looking backwards over the course of the past six months, 12 months, three years, five years, look at the transitions in your life when you just start down these paths, when you decide to say, I am no longer just going to do a half job. I am all in in every area of my life. Welcome to All In. I'm Rick Jordan. Today, I'm the CEO of a large technology company, but in 2007, I lost it all. And now I'm here to share the lessons I've learned and the strategies my guests have used to build success from the bottom up. And in every episode, you'll get something to reach for and something to grab onto, whether it's personal development, business, technology, or giving back. You'll be able to ignite the spark in your life to make that change and transformation so 10 years down the road from now, You'll be able to look back and say, I don't even know that person that I was. I'm so glad I decided to rise. I'm so glad I decided to stand up and actually begin to start to ignite the spark, to go all in. Welcome to All In with Rick Jordan. I am Rick Jordan. This is my first time here and it's your first time here. So now we're buddies. I want to give you a little of what to expect on the show topics, guests, all of that, you know, topics, I've got four pillars that are really driving me forward every single day in life. And that's what I'm going to base this entire show around is personal development, business, technology, and security, and giving. All four of those things are what I try to live every single day of my life. And some things that I have a lot of experience in over the past, oh geez, almost 40 years now of my life. That's crazy because my birthday is this year and I'm turning 40 years old. I don't feel it. You know, a little aside, I had this metabolic rate thing tested a couple of weeks ago in Vegas and I have the metabolism of a 30 year old. It's awesome. You know, I work out all the time, but that's that personal development pillars. You just have to continuously take care of yourself in order to be the best for everyone else. Uh, let me go in a little bit about who I am and where I came from. You know, I, I could give you the, the story, oh, I'm a small town born Midwestern boy. Well, that's true. You know, I, right now I actually live in the same town that I grew up in, moved back there about two and a half years ago. And my wife and I built a house about two and a half years ago there. And that was after being away for, geez, 15 years, something like that. I think it was about that long because I've been married almost 17 years now, which is awesome. A little over 17 years. I'll have to do the math in my head. A little over 17 years. That one's going to get me in trouble that I couldn't just rattle that off. That's okay. My dad was a insurance salesman. My mom was a bookkeeper, you know, who ended up watching kids at home to help make ends meet. My dad wanted to do insurance sales. He was a music director and there was this big deal back in, I think it was the 80s, where there was a lot of funding that was ripped out from education, you know, kind of similar stories to today. And his job was eliminated. So he's like, you know what? I, I love talking to people. I love creativity. So I'm going to sell insurance. And he used to always say that I've got the best part-time job in the world because he was always there when all three of his kids, I'm the oldest of three kids, all three of his kids would go off to school and he was always there when we got home. It was awesome. He was always at all of my baseball games. I had a really, really great childhood. You know, still in all of that, my uh, my parents really didn't grab on to a lot of the things that I wanted to go after because I was sort of the person that broke the mold. I never fell into the same rut and routine that everybody else did as I always just kept looking for more. And I always needed to go after more. And anytime somebody would tell me, hey, why don't you do it this way? 
I would always ask, well, is that the best way to do it? Because I don't even see you doing that. You know, why, why don't you tell me what you do rather than what is in your head and you're just thinking might sound good because that's what you were told. Why can't you just tell me what actually works? You know, so I, I went on this long journey to try to figure out in everything in my life what would work. And it got me into trouble a lot when I was a teen. You know, there's a lot of stories that my mom still doesn't know and she never will know. And I say my mom because my dad passed when I was just 16 years old. And he, again, amazing dad. He taught me how to play drums when I was five. You know, again, he had the music degree. He taught me how to really just interact with people. The guy was just amazing when he was around everybody else. He was always the person that everyone else wanted to be around because I always said he's just the happiest dude that's around. And he loved giving to every other person. I I saw a lot of that. I see a lot of that in me now. And I have to see transformation in people from one spot in their life to another spot in order to be personally fulfilled. When I was 16, I went out and I got a job. Uh, Actually, I was 15 now that I think about that. I worked at McDonald's. That was my very first paycheck W-2 paying job. I wanted to get out of school because school to me was just boring. So I got a work release kind of permit thing to where I would get out a period early, two periods early, and I just wanted to go explore. That's about it. School was too easy. It was just kind of boring, and a lot of the teachers there, they didn't get me, you know, except for this one. I remember his name. His name was Mr. Bounds. He actually shared a room in college with Pat Riley, the former coach of the Knicks. It was awesome because he told the story about how he actually punched the dude in the face and gave him a broken nose at one point in time just because he thought that he was off his rocker. But this guy got me because I had failed English my sophomore year. Why? Was it too hard? No, it's because it was too easy. And I needed something to challenge me. So I didn't see any reason to do the homework. I didn't see any reason to really study. So when there was a novel that needed to be read in English, I would go out and I would buy the Cliff Notes. I still don't know to this day how I persuaded my parents to buy me the Cliff Notes instead of the full novel to get through that class. But hey, obviously it didn't work because I failed. (laughs) But then the next year, this guy got me. He's like, you know what? You're probably super smart. And this was to the other 15 people in this class of this redo, this makeup. You're probably really smart, and you don't understand what you actually need to do in life to get through it. Sometimes you got to put your head down and do the work, but you always have to put yourself in a position that you are going to be successful in. And last year, English was probably not a position that you would have been successful in because it was the standard, the status quo. You had to show up. You had to do homework. You had to write reports. So here's how this class is going to go. I'm going to give you work to do. You finish your work in class. When you're done, you can put your head down and sleep. Now, who doesn't want to do that? That was amazing. So I learned from this guy, my my teacher in junior English redo of my sophomore year, that it's important to put yourself into situations where you're going to be successful. And it's important to do the things that are going to make you successful. And if that means doing homework, sometimes you just got to suck it up and you got to do homework. My kids, thank God, they are nothing like that, except for maybe my youngest. I have three kids. This is a little bit still about me. I have three kids right now, twin 11-year-olds and an 8-year-old. And Everyone always tells me about my twins. It's like, oh, that must have been hard. And I was like, well, no, not really, because I just didn't know any better. You know, that's another life lesson, too, is that when you don't know any better, perhaps it might be just the thing to go after. 
because it, you, you're not really sure. And failure just doesn't resonate with you at that point in time because you don't think that it's easy or hard because you just don't know. When they came along, my twins, it was amazing. There's nothing that any man could feel that, that's as fulfilling as being able to look down at your kid or kids in my circumstance to say, wow, I'm actually a dad at this point. And this dude, this girl, because my twins were a boy and a girl, they're going to be looking to me for everything. And I need to make sure that I am laying the foundation for them to do anything that they want in their life. And now let me clarify that a little bit, because I don't think that anybody should do everything that they want in their life. Because if you have a phobia of water, you are not going to be the next Michael Phelps. Not everybody should do whatever they want to do. So that's there's something you're going to hear on my show a lot called the straight truth. And maybe that's the one for today, just kicking this off, is that I love that because I'm not a participation trophy kind of person. I feel that everybody needs to earn what they're going to accomplish, what they're going to see as far as success in their life goes. And if you fail, who cares? If you fall on your face, it doesn't matter because the point is that you still went after it and you're still going to learn from that. A a failure is never a failure. A failure is always a success as long as you treat it as something to learn from. And that's one thing I learned because everyone always told me growing up, hey, you can do anything you want to do. Like, well, I don't know if that's really true. Even back then I was like, you know, that just doesn't resonate well with me because I don't think that I'm ever going to be a carpenter. Am I good at math? Yeah, I am. Do I have the patience to sit there and put cabinets together? No, that drives me crazy. Being in one spot (laughs) for that amount of time to try to get those things done. Yeah, it's great to see the end product. And everyone's like, oh, it's about the destination. You know what? I don't really think so because I think the destination is something that's ever changing in your life. You reach something, one point, a milestone, and something inside of me always says, all right, what's next? Where do we go from here? That's always been the case for me looking forward in life, even when I was 16 years old, sitting in that English class, thinking, I can't believe I've got to go through this again, but hey, at least I get to sleep. But at the same time, there's no way I'm ever going to fail a class again. And at that point, everything was just A's and B's from there on out. You know, I the term pencil whipped, I, yeah, I did some of that because a lot of that just came easy. And I just soaked up the knowledge, but that's still what I do today is just soak up every bit that I possibly can. And I need to go forward with every little bit. I've got a notebook in front of me to where I take notes at events. And there's a note on every single page in this thing, one single idea that I can take away. I'm always trying to consume, always trying to to learn from everything that's around me. And I, I have to do that in order to grow. If you're not moving forward, if you're not growing, you're moving backwards. If you're staying the same, you're moving backwards. If you don't adapt, if you don't change, if you don't grow, you will not move forward in life. Now, of course, I graduated high school. No big deal. Was I valedictorian? No, because I didn't do my homework. (laughs) But I got through. I didn't really care because I wanted to move on to the next thing. I wanted to keep moving forward, keep moving on. I went to college for two weeks. Yay, No degree, no certificate. Again, it was just one of those things to where I felt confined in the normal system of things. And it wasn't the way for me to to roll. I needed to seek out 
other avenues, other ways. And, uh, you know, I met Robert Hershevac a couple of months ago, had some time to spend with him. And he was talking about college degrees versus experience. And now in most of today's age, even he says, I look for experience over everything else. Do I regret not having a college degree? No, not one bit. Why? Because I continue to invest in myself. I have spent way more in coaches, in mentors, in programs, in curriculums than almost anybody would have spent on a college education. I have spent close to a million dollars on that just over the course of the past seven years since I really started diving into that because I need to learn and I need to grow. There's a lot of people that achieve so many things and they have to keep going on in life, moving forward. What did I do then? I, I went from McDonald's and I went to Radio Shack. Does anybody even know what Radio Shack is anymore? This was a place where all the all the nerds would go to buy their transistors and their resistors. That was the big thing. But I, I learned something pretty quick when I worked there is that I was really good at sales. I was the number one salesperson for cell phones in the entire nation for a period of three months straight. So at the age of 18, when I started working for Radio Shack, I remember that Christmas, I would get paid $300 in spiffs or a commission for every single cell phone that I sold. And that month, I sold 72, 10 times the amount that anybody else was selling. Imagine being 18 years old and getting a $21,000 commission check. It's crazy. You don't even know what to do with that money. I don't even remember what I did with that money because you just don't know at the age of 18. You, do, you look at these huge numbers and you're like, oh my gosh, what can I do? I remember buying a car, <laughs> you know, but that was on a loan. So I really don't know what I did with the $21,000 except had some fun. That's about it. I was always going out with friends and I always had to be around people in social. Maybe that was the whole sales thing. But in that moment too, selling those cell phones, it was really simple. I, I like a lot of other things, you know, you find something that works and you just keep repeating it. You keep doing the same thing because it just works. Why is there a reason to improve on something that works if it's going to achieve the same results? Different results, different story. Improve all you want. But if you're going to still get that end result of selling that cell phone and you already found a way that works well, just keep doing that. There's no reason to try to, to reinvent that wheel. Everyone that came up to the counter, you know, they might have been buying a pack of batteries, double A's, but like, hey, do you want a cell phone with that? You recognize that? Hey, do you want fries with that? Look at where that came from. That was beaten into me when I was at McDonald's. They'd order a, a, just a cheeseburger or a, or a Coke, a 32-ounce large Coke, and like, hey, do you want some fries with that? Because they were just made fresh, super good, hot. Who cares that they're going to last six months and not even be moldy if you leave them out on the counter? <laughs> yeah, that's some pretty sick food. Everyone that came up to the counter, like, hey, hey, do you want a cell phone with that? And they'd be like, what are you talking about? Now, this is before the iPhone. This is before flip phones, even. This was right after bag phones. Uh, and bag phones weighed about three pounds that you'd have to carry them around. I remember my parents having these two things. This was this nice, compact Nokia phone that would only cost them a penny 
right then and there as long as they signed up for service. They had to sign up for, back then, was a three- and four-year contract. Thank God for John Laguerre, the CEO of T-Mobile, and totally disrupting that industry. If you don't follow him, you need to. I'm just going to give him a shout-out right now. He's amazing, totally disrupts things because he goes the road less traveled. I really resonate with him a lot. Squirrel! And there goes my squirrel, and I'm back on topic now. Speak! Hi there! <gasps> Did that dog just say hi there? Oh, yes. My name is Doug. I have just met you, and I love you. My master made me this collar. He is a good and smart master, and he made me this collar so that I may talk. Squirrel! My master is good and smart. So the cell phones that I was selling, everyone that came up. Now, there was a credit check that had to be performed, as there still is today for obtaining service. And there were a lot of people that were declined. You know, so for those 72 that I sold at 21,000, it was probably, it blew my mind, it was probably half of everybody that came up that wanted it, that said, yeah, I'll take a phone that costs a penny. Half of them got declined because of where their credit score was. So it was another nice life lesson for me in that you need good credit in order to move forward in life in order to just be somebody that everybody looks on favorably from a financial perspective. I'm in business now. Why would I want to hire? I've got a job ad posted right now for bookkeeper. Now, I can't do this and I don't do this, but it makes no sense to me why somebody who does finances for a living would have bad credit. Like If you can't manage your own house, what makes you think you're going to manage a multi-million dollar business well? What makes you think you're going to get Accounts payable paid on time and all the vendors paid on time. You have to do what you do in one area in the rest of your entire life. Everyone that came up with these cell phones, half of them got declined. But there was this one individual who had these really raggedy looking clothes on and just looked like he was homeless. Walked up and sure enough, I still asked him, thinking in my head, there is no way that this guy's going to get approved for this thing. I mean, just look at him. He walks up to the counter, and I, I ask him the same question because it didn't matter. That's what you do in sales. You, what, who was it? Wayne Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Well, in sales, you miss 100% of the closes that you don't ask for. Every single person that came up to the counter, didn't matter what they were buying, I would always say, do you, you want a one-penny cell phone? It'll only cost you one cent today. I'd even go as far as throwing a penny on the counter, saying, here you go, I'll buy it for you. Caught everybody off guard. This guy says, yes, I'd love to have a cell phone. I don't have one right now. I'm a farmer, and I'm thinking in the back of my head, yeah, you look like it, dude. Again, I was 18. That's my disclaimer here. I'm way more mature at this point. <laughs> and you look back at yourself, and it's like, what in the world was I thinking? Run his credit. Comes back. A perfect 850 FICO. Like, oh my God. It's one of those surreal moments where you start kind of looking a dude up and down from toes to head and thinking, how is this possible? You know, that old whole thing of you don't judge a book by its cover. The problem is, is that we do. I wouldn't even say it's a problem because it's more so important on the on that person's image that they portray. I've always learned this too, even in this moment, and that if you want to be taken seriously, you have to look the part. 
You have to look like you're somebody that's successful. You have to look like you're somebody that belongs. You have to be able to resonate with everybody that wants to listen to you or that you want to listen to you. Because if you don't change your methods, nobody's going to receive your message. If you don't understand your audience and you don't try to dress in a way that's going to get across to them, if you don't try to talk in a way that they're going to hear you, it's not on them. It's on you. That's one of the things that I learned in this moment with this guy is that, yeah, I judged him and that was wrong because of the way that he looked. But at the same time, how was this guy presenting himself? He had a great life, made a lot of money as a farmer. I mean, I had a great conversation with him afterwards. You know, and I've always been up front. It's one of those things where if you're walking around a room, I am horrible with names. So don't take any offense if I forget your name three seconds later because I meet a lot of people. But I just don't remember that. It's something I'm actively working on. But it's no big deal for me to bring up, say, hey, you know what, man? I'm sorry. I forgot your name. What is it again? Be transparent because that's way better than saying, yeah, right on, dude. Or hey, man. Or you know what? You know what, buddy, <laughs> friend, I'll catch you next time. You know, and then you just walk away and not, not even know that person's name. This guy, I was just up front with him and I said, you know what? I don't think that I've ever met anybody like you, first off, that has a perfect credit score. First off, what are you doing? Second, dude, why do you dress the way that you do? <laughs> I'm here in a shirt and a tie, but nobody's gonna nobody's gonna understand that. So so why? Why don't you dress that? He's like, I just like to be comfortable outside of my element, you know? So that's what I do. And I'm like, okay, well, do you show up to, a, you know, a mortgage closing like this too? I mean, just this download of insane questions going through my head. It's like, how does this work for you? You know, and you might think of the Mike Zuckerbergs or Steve Jobs, you know, or even any musician that exists and how they dress right now and how does somebody take most of them seriously, except that they've established themselves in the industry and they come across in a way, but think about all the people that they don't resonate with because they don't not conform, but they don't present themselves in a way that's going to resonate with the individuals they're trying to communicate with. It's up to them. Mark Zuckerberg communicate way better to a lot more people if he dressed a little different every single day. Now he did show up to the Senate hearing, right? wearing a shirt and tie. That was great. He looked so out of place, <laughs> you know, but he, he was spot on in all of his answers. That was great. But at least he looked the part when he showed up. Imagine if he walked in with his black t-shirt and his blue jeans, would they have taken him seriously? I still don't think they took him that seriously when he was there. That's my personal opinion, but whatever. Dress the part. Moving on from Radio Shack, I went into technology. I had been building computers since I was 10 years old. And I ended up working for Merrill Lynch. I was taught on the job. And then I went to some private instructors as well on how to build networks. And I cut my teeth deploying 12,000 servers and 120,000 computers nationwide for Merrill Lynch on the, for all the branch offices back when they were still something. <laughs> and this was 1998. That's where I really learned everything as, as far as the foundation goes of my technology background. It's just continued, and I've continued to educate myself since then. I was there for maybe two years. That, that was it. And then I moved on to doing some project management for 
uh, Cook County, which is the county that Chicago, Illinois lives in, which is where I live. And Chicago, Illinois lives in Cook County, resides, I don't know. You catch yourself saying something, and it's like, what, what in the world is coming out of my mouth right now? Squirrel! I still live there to this day. Wanted to move to Florida a couple years ago, but you know what? All my family is still in Chicago, and I just have to be around the people that I love. When that project was over, I moved on to Best Buy. I was the first Geek Squad agent hired in the Chicago area back in 2003. I got the Volkswagen Beetle. I got a hand-me-down from somebody else that was a manual transmission, my commute one way, because this was a test. I was a guinea pig to see if this is something that could be successful nationwide. There was about seven people that were chosen. I was chosen for the Chicago market. And I always had, here comes back to the sales thing again, I always had corporate knocking at my virtual door saying, how in the world is your revenue per ticket five, 600, 700% higher than everybody else that's these guinea pigs across the U.S. out of all seven of you. Like when you go out and just to remove a virus or set up a new computer, all of a sudden there's these five other things that are added on. How do you do this? I said, well, it's just simple. I just ask him if there's anything else that I can help him with. And I, I notice things. It's like, hey, you have a genuine need for this. Why don't I just take care of this while I'm here? And what blew my mind is these corporate individuals were like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. Like, is it really? Is it really that brilliant? I think it's just more so being a human being. <laughs> Why wouldn't you ask somebody what else they need when you're already in that position of being able to give and serve? Yeah, they were paying for it, but still, business is just another way of serving everybody else in this world, which I feel is really why we are supposed to be on this planet to begin with, is to really serve everybody else. It's the same in sales. Sales, you are serving. Yes, you're trying to make money, but you know what? The money always follows when you serve first. From there, they said, you know what? You've got to teach everybody this. I'm like, all right, I could do that. They sent me to Canada. I say, sent me to Canada. Because I was gone for a period of about four months, only flying home on the weekends to see my wife and myself. And now the dude who actually runs Geek Squad Nationwide right now, presently on this day, is a good friend of mine. He went with me because he was the other rock star. And we trained the entire rollout for this in Canada. Then I came back to the U.S. and went across to all the Best Buy stores in the U.S. And helped underperforming stores in the Geek Squad department, bring their sales up to where they needed to be. And it was just simple. It's just the concept, guys, is just serve. Just be a human being and ask them what they need help with. Well, you know, in the sales arena, they call it uncovering pain. You know, I just call it serving. Why do you need to uncover pain when all you have to do is just serve? Because people will be glad to tell you what's wrong <laughs> more than what's right as far as how they function socially. So if you just give that open door, they're going to tell you. And then you can take the opportunities to serve them even better. And then the money also follows and you make more money. It's a great symbiotic relationship going back and forth between serving and making money. It's insane. Try it. You won't go wrong with it. You have to jump on this wagon and never, ever lead with money first. Your reason for doing something should never be just to make money. Now, everybody has to buy food. Everybody has to have transportation. But, you know, when you serve first, the money will always follow. I taught all these other guys how to do this, and then they asked me to move to Minnesota 
which is even colder than Chicago during the winter. I said, you know what? I can't. Can I do this job remotely? They wanted to be the number three guy in Geek Squad, and I was going to be responsible for a region. I don't even know what region. Best Buy had four regions at that time period, almost like the time zones in the U.S. right now. I don't know which one, but they said, we want you to take over an entire region and be responsible for its performance, all of this. They would have given me a nice pay increase. They would have given me relocation funds. They would have given me a a crazy pet title, which is still how they work and operate to today. I think I was going to be deputy director of internal affairs, if I remember right. Yeah, that's it's a mouthful. Does that actually say what I do? No, it doesn't. Maybe. I don't know. Squirrel. I told him, no, I can't move to Minnesota. I don't want to move to Minnesota. That word can't, I don't like either. I I couldn't. I don't want to move to Minnesota because I have family that I want to be around. I'd prefer to stay local in Chicago and I can commute back and forth. There's this thing called the internet that I think will work between us. And they're like, no, we really need you present there, you know, for meetings when they're called spontaneously. I'm like, all right, guys, and that's not what I'm going to do. I then moved into Best Buy for Business, B2B. And with everything I did, I wrote the sales book, the playbook for B2B for Best Buy in 2006 and 2007. And they brought in a dude from the West Coast who had been running his own technology firm, and they brought him in as the VP to head this up of the entire nation. He lost $29 million for the company the very first year, and Best Buy eliminated Best Buy for business. You can still go there and get commercial products, but you don't see it in all the stores anymore. There used to be big old Best Buy for business signs in every single Best Buy. There used to be dedicated representatives in shirts and ties in every single Best Buy. They don't exist anymore. And this is why. They lost money because they brought in the wrong player. Anybody watch sports? How often does that happen? One bad seed, especially if it's the top, if it's your quarterback, you're going down. From here, they told me, you know what? You can either be an assistant manager in a store. Like, guys, I'm at the regional level at this point. You know, I wrote the book on how to sell this crap. Don't you have something better for me? Well, no. And that's where I learned the game of politics. Because everybody else, it was more buddy-buddy with the regional vice presidents and up were the ones that got to stay on, that they put in other positions. Even though I was successful in what I did for the organization, they still said, you know what, you can just go take this low-paying gig if you want to stick with the company. I said, you know what, 30 days from now, my twins are going to be born. That was this point in my life. There's this wonderful thing that Bill Clinton instituted called FMLA, Family Medical Leave Act. I've been working here for seven years, and I have all this vacation stored up. Guess what, guys? I'm taking a family medical leave. I was protected. It was an amazing time. My kids were born, and I was able to stay home for eight weeks paid because of all this time I had accrued, and my job was still safe at that point. I still had a job when I came back. And when I went back, everybody was gone. Everybody who was eliminating everyone else was already gone. A peer of mine was moved into this upper management role who was a buddy of mine. And he said, Rick, I don't even care if you show up to the office or not. 30 days from now, they've told me from up top, from corporate HR, that you're done because your position, your role was just eliminated from the entire organization. Your department doesn't even exist. So you have 30 days. That's legally what we have to do after coming back from a family medical leave. Just go get your stuff together. You don't even have to show up. 
just get paid for a month <laughs> and you're good. That's when I decided, you know, I've been doing this for everyone else for so long at this point. I think it's time to do it for myself. I went independent for a while. Then I launched Reach Out Technology. That's been uber successful at this point. Even last year, 2018 to 2019, another 50% revenue jump over 2017 to 2018. It was just in, insane when I saw those numbers a couple weeks ago. I'm so grateful for something like this. I've got great people that are around me. My, my team is amazing. And there's really this aura of service that exists in the entire organization that I've built, even to the point to where we don't have sick time, we don't have vacation time. There's a reason behind that, because from day one or day zero, whatever it is, when that person starts, I want them to be able to take what they need when they need to take it. If they're sick, why should you have to make the conscious decision of, well, I don't have sick days, so I'm not going to get paid for this, so I'm just going to show up and only be 25% as productive as what I can be, get everybody else sick in the office, you know, because I'm concerned that I still have to put food on my table for my kids. Why, why should anybody have to have those kinds of pressures and stress? Are there people that will abuse that? Absolutely. But that's not the people that I hire. That's not the people that I, that I want to bring into the fold because that's not the right person to work for me, to work in the team. I don't want the, the toxicity of somebody who would try to take advantage of that. Now, I'm, I'm not perfect at being able to weed these people out, but it happens and then they go away, usually on their own accord because they realize that they just don't fit in with all these nice people. <laughs> Even 401k, you know, there's a zero day waiting period at reach out. Most corporations in America, there is a 12 month waiting period from the time you get on board to the time that you can either sign up for a 401k or let alone even have the company match your contributions and reach out matches at 5%, not the industry standard two, three, or four. We've always got to go above. We've always got to go beyond. So zero day waiting period and a 5% match. I tell them, Hey, you want an immediate pay increase? Dump in 5%, you're saving for yourself, and then I'm going to give you 5% too. So now you're saving 10%, a full 10% of your entire annual salary towards retirement every single year. It's an easy way to do it. I'm not going to make you wait. We do all these other things too, like teledoc. We do telemedicine. Everyone gets unlimited virtual doctor visits from day one so that they can get the help that they need when they are sick. What do you feel when you're, when you're sick? You're at home, right? You don't want to go anywhere. But now in regular corporate America, you're thinking, well, I, I should go to work. I have all this stuff I have to do. This is something that I picked up that I, I think that I improved on a bit, that I, I read this concept a few years ago called a results-only work environment. It doesn't matter how much time you take as long as you're achieving what you're supposed to achieve and you're giving your all. You are all in for everybody else that you work with. It doesn't matter. You want to set your different hours? Cool. Go for it. It's great that this is an industry that people can do that. They're way more productive this way, and they've got some pretty great benefits to go along with it, but I want them to be able to get the help that they possibly need. All these little things, you know, this is for all the managers, all the, all the corporate CFOs that are out there. Invest in your people, and they will give you way more than what you could have ever anticipated that they might be able to produce. There are so many little things that you can do every single day, like lunch. Weeks, we have, every week we have a staff meeting. Tuesday mornings, right after that is followed by lunch that is bought by me 
for everyone that exists within my team. Feeding them is great. There's something about breaking bread with someone else that puts you on the same level, puts you in, a, in an ability to connect with that person. Little things make such a huge difference. I love being able to invest in people like that and showing them ways to invest in themselves. That kind of brings me to today, or maybe even six months ago. Why on earth do I have a podcast? You know, when I was talking about investing in myself and all the mentors that I, I paid, there was an event. I go to a lot of events. It was an event that I was at just a few months back. There was a, a, a segment, a, a teaching segment in this event where they were trying to determine, you know, if you don't even know what you're doing in business yet, you just know that you don't want to fit into the corporate mold. You just don't know if you want to continue on with your life in the status quo. You may be here to find that, to find your purpose. For me, I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I'm like, I know mine. <laughs> and then they ask the question, what are you known for? And I start thinking about it. I stopped dead in my tracks. I'm like, well, people might call me the, the IT guru or people might call me the security expert. People might call me the person that just saved them millions of dollars from an employee that was stealing from them. But what am I known for? It took me all the way back, and I don't even know why in this moment that I remembered this in a car when I was working for Best Buy. I was in, the, in a vehicle with a brand new salesperson. They were riding with me. I was going to all their sales calls, training them on the processes, the procedures that I wrote for the company. He had been around for three, four months or whatever it is, and I, I don't even remember what I was talking about. But I was just going off, as I usually do, about something positive and uplifting. I say, hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm really passionate about this topic. He's like, Rick, I, you're passionate about anything that you decide to do. And as I thought about that question, what am I known for? Transitioning across the entire span of my life, I am all in. Rick Jordan is all in. Anything that I choose to go after, I am all in. Because if you're not all in, you are all out. There's only one way to do something in life, and it's not half-assing it. You need to put everything, your heart and soul, into it. Even homework, when you're in school, you need to do what's required of you in order to accomplish what you need. You need to put all of yourself into something like that. You need to put all of yourself into your business, all of yourself into your family, all of yourself into your relationships, all of yourself into giving and serving everybody else that's around you. You start doing these things and start to realize, looking backwards over the course of the past six months, 12 months, three years, five years, Look at the transitions in your life when you just start down these paths, when you decide to say, I am no longer just going to do a half job. I am all in in every area of my life. And you know what? If there's areas in your life to where you feel that you can't be all in, maybe it's an ethical conundrum for you with this topic, or maybe it's a place that you belong to or a social group that you're a part of, then leave. It's okay. Move on. Get rid of the toxicity in your life because the toxic nature of situations or sometimes people can prevent you from being all in where you need to be in other areas of your life. You've got to do this and then start to look backwards because you're not going to realize it at day one. I didn't realize it at day one. I had to go 10 years back 
to this story in my memory to where I, I actually realized what is Rick Jordan known for? And this is it. I'm all in. There's another segment on the show that you're going to hear really every single week. Because at the same event, at this Lisa Sasevich event, she's an amazing mentor in an event perspective. I've got a whole notebook full of notes from this event, and that's going to be another episode of just going through this book. Before I started to record this, I was looking through the book. It's like, oh my gosh, there's so much good stuff in here. And I could just literally flip through the book and give you amazing nuggets from things that just sparked new thoughts in my head. But the one thing, it is the responsibility, if you start to go down this road, and I say if, because it is a choice, if you start to go down this road of improving yourself, of investing in yourself, you're going to go to events, you're going to read books, you're going to start to have coaches, mentors. First, of course, you have to go all in with anybody that you decide to learn from. But what does that mean for something like this event? Because there's events I've been to, let me tell you that it is... It is boring, this Lisa Sasevich event, not boring, but when I walked in, I was the minority because she speaks mostly to women, and she draws that crowd. So I walk in, and immediately I'm set apart because I'm one of the maybe five or six dudes that's in this room of 200 women. Now, most would be like, hey, that's not a bad position to be in, my man, you know, and I, I tell my 11-year-old son that, that it's not a bad position to be in. But I'm good. I'm happily married. Love my wife. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. But from a business perspective, too, everyone always gets drawn to you. And I've already achieved so much. And there's people that are starting in this group that were in this room that didn't even launch yet their new business. Or they were saying, hey, my goal is to do 300000 in revenue this year. Well, what would you, you do last year? Yeah, I did $10,000. they are just starting out. So when you say, hey, I make a couple million dollars. They're like, oh my gosh, what do you do? And now I'm also one of the only guys in the room. You're kind of set apart a little bit. So immediately I was put on this defensive position because everyone would, would sort of flock to me and just lift me up in this pedestal. And my point was that guys, girls, I was where you were at. There's a, yes, there's a lot of things that I can do and a lot of things that I can teach to get to where I am now and even beyond that. But I was where you are. I understand. I, I relate to where you are. So having this going on in the back of my head uh, and this event, you know, for the first session, I, I was a little bit, you know, am I really going to get something out of this? Because I'm, I'm one of six guys <laughs> about in this whole thing. And maybe this is geared just t- towards a, a feminine perspective, which is awesome because those are amazing groups of people especially when there's events like this that are geared for women. It's fantastic for me because in my field of technology for years now, it's very much male-dominated, and I love seeing a bright, brilliant female engineer come around because, oh, yes, you can bring such a different perspective to things because women are amazing at being able to see outside the box where guys are typically linear thinkers. They, they can see all these other possibilities. So in this room, I'm thinking, is there really going to be anything that speaks to me? And I realize at this event that this thought comes to my head that it's not on the event content. And I start thinking back about the, the countless, well over 50, 60, 70 events that I've been to over the past five years, that every single time I have always walked out with at least one thing that's going to change my life, change my business, 
improve my relationships, there is always this one thing. Even if I'm halfway paying attention, which I'm guilty of, remember that homework story, there's always one thing that I can pull out of any room that I'm in when I'm listening. So it is your responsibility as you listen to these episodes, listen to this podcast, there's always gonna be things because you know what, I've done a lot in my life, I've learned a lot, I've fallen on my face a lot. You can learn from my mistakes, you can learn from my successes, you can follow my patterns, or you can improve on them, whatever you wanna do. You can learn from me, you can learn from my guests, and I'm gonna have some awesome guests on this show. Let me tell you, some, some people that really resonate well with me and what I go after, you know, personal development and fitness is one of them. You know, there's going to be some technology stuff on here too. Business, giving. I can't wait until the giving guest comes on because that's going to be an awesome time. You're going to be uplifted in that one and just want to go out and do everything for everybody right then in that moment. But you can take some of my failures and successes and learn from them or improve upon them. But it is always going to be your responsibility to take one thing away from every single episode. That when you read a book, do you hang on every single sentence in that book, on every chapter? Probably not. My goal for the next, I'd say, five years at this point is to read a book a week. So that's 250 books by the time five years is done. That's insane. You might think that, but what, what is that, like 30 minutes a day or something like that? You know, for a week to get through a, a book in a week? It's not that bad. But the books that I'm going to read, out of 250 books, I think some are going to be pretty bad choices. <laughs> There's no way that all of those are just going to resonate me and completely change and transform my life. It's just st statistically impossible. But still, out of every single book, out of every single chapter, I would say, just like these events, just like this podcast that you're listening to, all the episodes to follow, you pick out one thing, every single episode, that will change your life. And it's your responsibility. I will always bring it. I will always be all in. I will always have content for you that is amazing, that you'll be able to pull more than one thing from. But if you're listening in a car, on your commute, whatever it is, once you grab onto that one thing, grab a notebook and write that on a full piece of paper, just that one thing, and let that resonate with you through the rest of your week, the rest of your month, the rest of your year, and watch and see what that does. Even though it's your responsibility to pull out that one thing every single week on this podcast, I'm going to do my part and share that responsibility with you, and I will always pull out one thing that I feel that you should be able to walk away from, so at least you leave with one thing, no matter what, one thing that I'm going to say, hey, knock, knock, here's a one thing for you this week. You can pull out more things, of course, you know, but I'm going to challenge you to pull out your own one thing every single week outside of the one that I give you and write it down and take action on it. That is where you start to move forward. Hey, thanks for joining me on this first episode of All In with Rick Jordan. I wouldn't be anything if I didn't have people to talk to. I wouldn't be anything if I didn't have people that I'd be able to share with and connect with. So thank you. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so that you get all of my episodes as they come across, including all my guests that come on. And please rate and review this on iTunes. You're going to love every single episode that comes out. You'll always be able to pull out that one thing. You know what? When you comment, comment that one thing. 
on iTunes or, or Spotify or CastBox or wherever. This is all over the place. But rate and review on iTunes and leave in posts in your comments what that one thing was that you pulled out that day. Go to the show notes for the episode. You will find links on my site and social media as well. You can follow me at Mr. Rick Jordan on all the platforms. And you'll see those links to things that we talk about, you know, even if it's just, I don't know, like epic venison bars that I love to eat as snacks. You know, you can buy those at your local Whole Foods. You know what? We'll have a link on there for this one. It's one that I'm going to have right after I push stop on this recording right now. But you'll have links to everything that I talk about to help give you resources to be able to transform your life, move forward in business, improve your relationships, everything you want to do on All In with Rick Jordan. Bye now. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message. Okay, so I can't let Adam forget about this idea because I think it's great. What is it? Marshmallow lamps. Get the toasted one or the the plain white one or the the burnt. Churro. Yes. What was it? Mm-hmm. Squirrel!